0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Uh, it was weird. It was different than any situation I've ever been in. Uh, I've been in some weird ones too, so <laughs> that's saying something. But no, it was... um. I think things worked out for the best, you know. There was a lot of uh, ups and downs, rocky roads here and there, but I think throughout the whole thing, you know, me, I'm happy with where I'm at. Happy to be with the Niners. I think the Niners are happy to have me back. And it's, uh, I think things are working out pretty well. At what point did did it cross your mind and become a conscious thing? Like, you know what, I could end up back here. Really wasn't on my mind, to be completely honest. I mean, I was training out here. I had to be here, so I was I was here for that reason. But uh, I don't know. I was just trying to get my body right, like I was saying, getting the shoulder right. Uh, I felt very confident out there, and I knew that I was ready to roll. I just needed to figure out where it was, and you know, things kind of fell into place uh, these last couple days, really, just right before it all happened. Jimmy Garoppolo, yet another NFL
0: quarterback whose neck is approaching Takeo Spikes' thickness. That's something that sims and i have noticed this year chris seriously I, peter Seriously, trevor lawrence has a Takeo spikes neck now lamar jackson Takeo spikes neck look at look at jimmy garoppolo we can pull up the frame of it he's got this big giant thick tree trunk neck i don't know what these guys are doing to create that kind of a neck but he's he, look at it that's it's it's a half click away from Takeo spikes anyway um i i was doing radio somewhere this week and the host said, you know, we, we, we were all saying Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be back in San Francisco. You were saying it. I was saying it. We were all saying it. How did we get it so wrong? We got it so wrong because that's what they told us. They told us he wasn't going to be on the team. This is one of the most stunning turns of events I can remember. They exile him from the team. He's basically got a free membership at the San Francisco 49ers gymnasium to show up and work out. That's all that he was doing in the month of August. He wasn't part of the team. He doesn't have a playbook. He's completely disconnected from the locker room. And now all of a sudden, he's staying put. And as I've said all week long, Peter, I don't think they planned it, but they couldn't have planned it any better to get to a point where Jimmy Garoppolo had no other options, even if they'd cut him, no one was paying him $6.5 million. There was no good situation out there for him to step right in and add to his resume. He was only going to hurt his case for free agency next year. Even if he doesn't play this year, he's got a pretty strong closing argument from 2021. It was the best spot for him. And it was the smart thing for both player and team to forget about the past and find a way to work out a future that, that may include him playing may include him standing on the sidelines may include a little bit of both. Who knows, who knows how this is all going to play out, but uh, he's, he's still going to be wearing the red Jersey and the gold helmet this year, which of all the crazy stuff that can happen in any given season, that's, that's right up there among the craziest.
3: Mike, I think, you know, there are three distinct tributaries off this story, number one, this never happens if they have ultimate faith in trailings. Just doesn't. I don't care what they say about we want to have insurance, uh, you know, and all this. I get it, and obviously they are a better team today with having uh, a much better backup quarterback uh, in Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, so that's number one. But number two, you know. I think one of the other things, Kyle Shanahan, this is going to be his sixth year as as head coach of the 49ers, right? Every time he has failed, he has failed, or every time the Niners have failed, it's because their quarterback depth was crummy. And they did not have the ability to backstop a good quarterback with another good quarterback. And I think that was in their mind. But doesn't it also say something a lot to me about something I wrote about, Mike? This was this was the story that I did out of the 49ers training camp with Kyle Shanahan definitely being worried about how Trey Lance, who had only thrown 389 passes in football games since he left a medium-sized high school in the state of Minnesota, which is not the cradle of quarterbacks, by the way. But I'll read this to you, okay? This is from Kyle Shanahan. When I visited with him two and a half weeks ago about Trey Lance and everything being put on his shoulders, okay? Is Trey ready to take it on his shoulders? He shouldn't be. He hasn't gone through it enough. What sucks is when you're learning how to play and you're not there yet. How do you not get worse sometimes when the pressure is on you and you need to go through the growing pains? I mean, Kyle Shanahan, two and a half weeks ago, Mike, was telling us that he had real concern about what exactly was going on. Do you think... In Cincinnati, Zach Taylor was saying that about Joe Burrow before year two? Do you think that uh that that anybody in San Diego or anybody with the Chargers rather will be saying San Diego Chargers forever? But do you think anybody with the Chargers was saying that about Justin Herbert? It's just this was about not just a lack of faith right now, today in this quarterback but the weird landscape of the fact that he just simply hasn't played a lot of football. So I I think all of those, you know, sort of mind melded into what happened the other day with Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Yeah, look, we don't know and we won't know what Trey Lance is going to be as a quarterback until he does it week in and week out, especially You know, it takes four to six games. And we talked earlier about having enough film on the Broncos offense. Same thing with Trey Lance. When there's film out there, what he does well, what he doesn't do well, they start taking away what he does well, force him into into situations where he may not be comfortable. Can he bust through that? Can they game plan around that? And I know Kyle Shanahan can, but that's part of the progression. We just don't know and won't know. And the warning signs are there. Last Thursday night in the preseason game against the Texans, Shanahan gives Trey Lance an extra series that he didn't plan to give him and then says, I'd like to give him more. I wish we had more time to get him ready. He's concerned he's not ready. And Sims made the argument on Monday morning. He made the passionate argument, work this out, 49ers, to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around because you don't know what you have in Trey Lance. And there's a chance that, that they don't have a guy that can get it done. After everything they gave up to get him, you have to be ready for the possibility that he's not the guy. Busts are everywhere in the first round of the draft. And just because they gave up, ultimately three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get this guy doesn't mean he's going to be good. It doesn't. And we haven't seen enough from him to come to the conclusion he's going to be good. When he had chances to play last year, we weren't fawning over highlights today. day after. Wow, look at Trey Lance. This is the next Patrick Mahomes. We're still waiting for something to convince us he's the guy. And now, Peter, whether he wants to admit it or not, whether the 49ers can talk him away from this mindset or not, he's got Jimmy Garoppolo hovering over his shoulder. And, you know, if you can't thrive knowing that you may be on a shorter leash than you thought, you're never going to make it in playoff games, Super Bowl, or whatever. So let's accelerate the analysis of Trey Lance. Let's have Jimmy Garoppolo there. Let's have him hovering and let's see if that spurs Trey Lance to be the guy that they need him to be.
3: And, you know, Mike, I mean, there's no shame in giving a guy help at all. No shame whatsoever, but I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, when you're told you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy, um, you know, your safety nets are not like a backup quarterback. They're like, in essence, third string quarterbacks. So you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. And then, you know, two weeks before the season starts, they bring in the guy who was the guy. For all these people who say, oh boy, this, you know, he better be able to take it. There's, uh, you you know, you're going to have a lot more pressure in your life than just this. I say, okay, that's fine. But I'm just asking you, how would you feel if whatever job that you do, you finally have the the guy who was looking over your shoulder, who was your boss, who was doing this job and doing it well, maybe not the best in the world, but doing it well. Finally, they say, okay, it's your team now. It's your job. You do this. And then two weeks before your whatever it is your season your job starts they bring the other guy back it's it's naive to think that Trey Lance is saying hey kumbaya let's go mike he was just talking last week about how great the quarterback room was you know and and how much he liked those guys and he really didn't deal with Jimmy anymore and nothing against him, but he wasn't in the quarterback room anymore. And just the weirdness of this story is it can't be overestimated. And everybody who just says, ah, you know, no big deal, life moves on. Well, let's see what sort of toll it takes on Trey Lance. I think it'll take some. I have no idea what, but I think it'll take some.
0: One of the great qualities of the human animal is the ability to adapt to whatever may happen. One of the reasons I love The Office so much, anytime something crazy happens and then someone's in a conference room reacting to it, to the camera, they just find a way to process whatever the bad news may be. They try to find a way of silver lining in all of it. So let's, let's hear a little from Trey Lance yesterday. As he meets with the media for the first time after he found out that the guy who was the guy is going to be hovering over the shoulder of the new guy
1: uh, just that nothing changes um just like i said meant makes the qb room all that much better um another great resource for me uh, a guy that's played in this offense a guy that's done it uh, who's played a lot of ball so for me it's you know just i'm gonna use it my mindset on is just jimmy's gonna be a huge resource for me as he always has been since since draft day
2: you do have a guy who started a lot of
0: games on this team won a lot of big games. People are going to be looking to him if there's a couple bad series. Uh, I'm sure you understand that. Um, does that put some more pressure on you?
1: No. Um, for me, I, I'm worried about what the guys in the locker room think, what I think, um, what the coaches think, what the guys in this organization think. Um, outside of that, I know You know, there's, there's Jimmy, there's Trey, there's all that, but uh, this is going to be a, a collaborative group, and I know Jimmy's going to have my back through it all.
0: Yeah, yeah, he may have your back for now, but he may be sticking a knife in it when he gets the opportunity to do so. Look, this is the ultimate meritocracy, and it doesn't matter what the people on the outside say, he's right, but it does matter what the people on the inside say. And we know the guys in the locker room love Jimmy Garoppolo, they love him. And now he's back, and you got guys like George Kittle and Debo Samuel that are thinking, what's going on here? And I remember hearing Ron Jaworski, Peter, explain this years ago when he was working for ESPN. When you are a quarterback and you've got a guy who is hovering, who is there, who is ready, you do tend to maybe take a little longer in making your decision. You want to right. get it right. You hold the ball a little bit too tightly because you think the next mistake is the last mistake. And that freedom, the point you were making, if you're truly the guy and the backup is just there to fully and completely support you and never threaten you, you go out and you play freely. You play with a degree of discretion and liberty because you're not worried about making mistakes. When you got Jimmy Garoppolo there, all of a sudden you're a little more worried about making mistakes. All of a sudden you're a little more concerned about doing something that maybe the coach doesn't like. And and that's why I think Garoppolo's there. Kyle Shanahan can – twist it and spin it however he wants. He's concerned that Trey Lance isn't the guy. So he's willing to undermine Trey Lance by having Garoppolo there because if Lance isn't the guy, they're going to pivot to Garoppolo. That, to me, is obvious and it's clear. And and that's why I say at the end of the day, we're going to find out what Trey Lance has because now he's going to have to operate with even a higher degree of pressure in week one than maybe he would have in a key November or December game. I mean, it's going to force him. It's going to be the Trey Lance career accelerator. We're going to find out, and it may not be fair, but it is what it is. We're going to find out what this guy has because he suddenly doesn't have the full opportunity that we thought he did to take 2022 and develop or not into the best quarterback he can be.
3: Look, Mike, uh, all you have to do is to go back to the words of Kyle Shanahan of two and a half weeks ago. You know, when he says basically what sucks is Trey Lance not really having the time to make the mistakes that a young quarterback needs to make. Okay, but I will just say this. It's a lot easier if in week three of this season, he starts the game 0 for 8. Trey Lance does. And the, the backup is Nate Sudfeld. It's a lot easier to say we're going through the growing pains with Trey. It's a lot easier in that position to say that than to say, we got Jimmy Garoppolo on the bench. We got to win this game. Trey take a seat for now, Jimmy, come on. You're my relief pitcher. You're my Raleigh fingers. You're my Mariano Rivera. Get here and win this game it's just natural. It's just natural. The hook will be quicker. And so that is the thing you have to worry about. If I am trying to worry about developing a young quarterback, you know, I think those are the kind of things you have to be concerned with.
0: And the only reason this happens, well, there are many reasons how this happens, because again, I don't believe the 49ers planned it. But in some respects, they couldn't have planned it any better from the standpoint of getting Jimmy Garoppolo to give up more than $19 million to stick around. One of the reasons it happened is because he did not jostle at the outset of training camp to be released. He didn't push back against the idea that you're just going to work out on your own. You're not going to be part of the team. You're not going to be at practice. You're not going to be in the meeting rooms. He had plenty of rights under the collective bargaining agreement that he could have pushed if he wanted to. He didn't do it. He was asked about that yesterday. Here's the question and the answer from Jimmy Garoppolo on why he didn't try to force his way out back in late July.
3: Didn't you at any point just say, hey, I've, I've done some good stuff here.
2: Release me. Let me go find a place. Uh, well, it, that just wasn't the way I wanted it to go. I think uh, that, that there was a thought of that at one point. Trust me, there was. But um, that came and went. And. I don't know, things just kind of kept falling into place. And I'm one of those people that, you know, I don't want to really ruffle the feathers too much here and there and kind of want to just go with the flow. And that's kind of the way the training camp was going, and I was happy with it. And uh, like I said, things worked out, and I'm happy now.
0: Our, Our old buddy Stats texted me after that press conference saying you called it because I was saying it all week. He's like George McFly. He doesn't like confrontation, so he tries other ways to get what he wants. He didn't want to go into John Lynch's office and say, release yeah. I me. Mean, he didn't want to go to Kyle Shannon and say, I want the hell out of here. There was an yeah. awkward media tour that he did earlier this year, and I remember he was on Adam shine 's show, and he said, what I went through last year, I don't know that I would wish it on anybody. Well, then why the hell are you staying? I mean, if it was bad last year when you were the starter, <laughs> how's it going to be any better this year when you're making a lot less money To be the backup, and you're still in San Francisco, the place where last year's experience was so bad, you said, I don't know that I would wish that on anyone. It's amazing to me. But, you know, Peter, and and this is where I think the 49ers manipulated the situation to their benefit. They know that Jimmy doesn't like to rock the boat. They know that Jimmy doesn't like confrontations. They know that Jimmy doesn't like to ruffle feathers, and I think they used that against him and set up a situation where everything fell in a way that they could keep him for a lot less money than he was due to make.
3: Hey, look, you know, Mike, what it comes down to at the end of the day is they had a team guy in Jimmy Garoppolo and they also had the very good fortune of, well, if you look at it as good fortune, they had the very good fortune of this year. They're not being a Teddy Bridgewater situation where in training camp no court, I mean no quarterback does anything in training camp anymore so you know it's it's hard to imagine them getting hurt and that's why I thought all along the smartest thing for Jimmy Garoppolo was to get released and just sit don't rush to go sign with uh whoever wait until somebody gets panicky on October 1st then you will be a month more physically well, your arm will be fine. It will be totally recovered and wait until then. And so to me, if Jimmy Garoppolo had rushed, had gone in and saying, hey, look, you guys find me, do whatever, I'm not showing up here anymore. You told me that you were going to get rid of me and that's what I want. So, and if he had forced his way out, okay, all I'm saying is he might've gone somewhere And maybe he would have gone in Houston and been over Davis Mills' shoulder or however it would work out. You don't know. But there was no reason for him to go anywhere. None until he absolutely had to. And that's why, to me, in a very, very strange way, Jimmy Garoppolo played this right.
0: And, you know, if he doesn't play – he played well enough last year that that should help him in free agency in March. It didn't hurt Deshaun Watson. He didn't play at all in 2021. Not that Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo are even in the same stratosphere of quarterbacks, but there will be, if he hits and he will, the market free and unfettered the first day of free agency, there will be someone that gives Jimmy Garoppolo a contract to be the starter. It may be a Mitch Trubisky situation where they draft somebody in April, but regardless, he'll he'll find a new home and have a chance From day one of the offseason program to lay the foundation to be the starting quarterback in 2023. One of the reasons you haven't seen Peter in a while, he's been all over the place. He had an extensive training camp tour, as you know if you watch this show, because we've had videos from it throughout the month of August. We're going to pick Peter's brain on some of the teams that he observed from the AFC perspective when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
3: How long did it take you to rebound from the last game of last season? The last game of the NFL regular season last year, which obviously was must have been a heartbreak for you guys and your team at Las Vegas?
1: Uh, it took it took a while. Um, you know that was the that's the toughest loss that I've ever been a part of as a competitor for sure. Um, And then to watch the playoffs unfold, how they did, um, you know, to see the AFC championship game and then the Super Bowl. um, You know, that was a tough month for me, um, as tough a month as I've had. And, um, you know, but I think it was a good month for me because I got a lot of work done in that month and I, I really took a hard look at Myself, number one, our team, our organization, how we did things, you know, make those after action reports in all phases, and um, I got a lot of work done, and as hard as it was, um, I think it set the stage for, you know, the type of offseason that we've had, And um, but it, it was as tough as it gets.
0: Brandon Staley with Peter King, a little car ride to work. That is such a a neat thing to watch uh, and listen to, and, and guys get relaxed, and they're maybe a little more open than they would be in any other setting. So well done there, Peter. And let's start with the Chargers, one of the teams you visited on your training camp tour. Can they emerge from this cluster of teams when you've got the Broncos and the Raiders and the Chiefs? Can the Chargers somehow navigate not just their way to the playoffs, which we're waiting for, but get to the top of that division?
3: Here's kind of the way I look at the AFC West. So every team in the AFC West has had significant changes. What team has had the fewest significant changes to absolutely what they need to do if they were going to win the division? And that to me is the Chargers. If you look at Kansas City, Kansas City has got four new receivers on offense. If you look at Denver... They've got a new quarterback and a new coach running a new scheme. If you look at the the Raiders, they've got a new coach with a lot of new elements. And, you know, I have no idea who's playing the right side of their offensive line, but that could be a real, real issue. And, and you look at the Chargers and you say, okay, like they got a new quarterback. They got a new pass rusher. They got a new couple of new defensive tackles. But what really has changed drastically? I don't think a lot. And so to me, they have the best opportunity to hit the ground running in September. Now that is if J.C. Jackson doesn't miss a lot of time on defense and assuming that they're significantly better, which they will be against the run than 4.8 yards a carry last year. And we can talk about everything. We can talk about fourth and one from their own 18. We can talk about this being wrong, that being wrong. The Chargers were home after game 272 for one reason. And that reason is because they allowed 4.8 yards per rush. And down the stretch of this season, of that season, they could not, they had a paper mache run defense. And Josh Jacobs, one game 272 for the Raiders. So I think they have a really good chance, Mike, um, you know, of taking a major step in 2022.
0: My big concern about the Chargers, twofold. First, you mentioned JC Jackson, if he's back, if he's able to contribute. They have so many guys injured every year. I just can't help but wonder whether it is the product of something other than bad luck. And at some point it is how you're doing your flexibility, how you're doing your strength training, what your nutrition is, are you properly hydrated? Because I, I see guys, and you, you know this experience, you're watching all the games at once. Guys are getting pretzeled in every way possible, and they pop up and they're fine. If you're right. getting too many clusters of injuries every year, there's a deeper problem you have yet to solve that is keeping you from having your best guys on the field. If the Chargers can have their best guys on the field, far more often than not, they are a playoff team walk right through the door and become very dangerous if they have those players in the postseason number two and I love Brandon Staley as a coach I'm so sick of this whole fourth down thing here's the best approach to fourth down be unpredictable don't be too predictable one way or the other always keep the other side on their toes about what you're going to do when you play the Chargers now you know they're going to go for it 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 other teams you know they're not going to go for it I think the best approach is to always have that other team not quite sure what you're going to do. So you have maximum advantage when you choose to roll the dice. Strategically, and the combination of all the formulas, and I still reject the logic of a lot of these formulas because they look backward, not forward, and they ignore a broad array. array, I tried to say variety and array at the same time. A broad array, thank you very much, Simsism, uh, of, of factors that 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 affect how you should be thinking in the moment. How should I be thinking in this moment, in this circumstance? Is it right or is it wrong to go for it? And I think that it's wrong, Peter. And I know we got other teams to get to, but I I just I can't I, I was compelled to make this point. I think it's wrong to be too predictable in anything you do when you're talking about key moments like that.
3: I mean predictable or unpredictable. They were six out of seven on fourth downs in that game. And, oh, I know. Uh, you know, everybody kills them for the fourth and one. And it's it's a very he's probably the only coach in the NFL who would have made that call at that time. I'm I'm almost positive he's the only coach who would have made that call. But I've tried to explain it this way, because when he took a longer time to explain this to me at the scouting combine, the first thing he said was, we had the worst net punting average in the NFL last year. And so if you look at putting from your 18-yard line, you're giving it back to the Raiders right at about midfield on average, on average. Sure, your guy could boom one, it could roll for 20 yards, but on average, you're giving the ball back to the Raiders at midfield, okay? And the way their defense was, I mean, all Derek Carr needs to do is complete two passes And Daniel Carlson is kicking a field goal. That's what Daniel Carlson did. But, but again, that is a rabbit hole. That is a four hour show. I I guess my only uh, point about all this is regardless of what you think of that philosophy, they have Mike Williams back. They have Keenan Allen back. They have a good running game. Uh, I think that they're going to be pretty good this year.
0: The Chiefs do not have Tyreek Hill back, as we all know by now. He was traded to the Dolphins back in March after the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill were unable to work out a new contract. You got to see the Chiefs up close. There's a lot of questions about what that offense is going to be without a guy who commands extra attention everywhere he goes. Offense looked pretty good in the preseason. How do you think the offense performs without having a weapon like Tyreek Hill at its disposal?
3: Mike, something really interesting happened on my trip and even before my trip there. So uh, Patrick Mahomes is a spokesman for this company called Whoop, okay? They have this device uh, on your arm. I, I only was you know compelled to ask him about it because I have it too. I'm trying to be a little bit more fit. And look at me, of course, I'm so fit. But um, Patrick Mahomes wears this And he gets all of his health data uh, basically told to him about this. And what I found really, really interesting is that Patrick Mahomes in this training camp is getting less sleep than he got last year, both during the season and in training camp. One of the reasons he's getting less sleep is he is working really, really hard to make sure that Juju Smith-Schuster... Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, four new receivers on his team. He's trying to make sure that they all are able to hit the ground running when they play their opening game in Arizona a week from Sunday. And so he's working harder in this training camp than he has in the past. And my whole thing, the day I was there – they looked really good. Now, obviously, even though they're going up against defense, uh, their own defense, they, he knows he's not getting hit and all this stuff. But I think, you know, when I wrote this week, I said that I think the NFL's reborn player this year is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. I think they're going to play him all over the map and not just in the slot. I think Sky Moore is going to be a very versatile new weapon for them in the backfield and split out wide. I think they're going to be okay in part Mike, because they know that everybody out here thinks they're not going to be okay. And I think it's energized them.
0: I think it's so much better to be them right now than the Buffalo bills, because everybody is expecting the bills to just, show up at the Super Bowl and be there and win the whole thing. And it's a meat grinder in the AFC. And if you're a team that's overlooked and disregarded like the Chiefs are, that is such a key ingredient in having the extra motivation. Number one, you don't have the target on your back. Number two, you got a chip on your shoulder. And that's what the Chiefs will have. And I agree with you. I think they're going to be great. I think they're going to be fine. And the fact that they recently adjusted Juju's contract to increase his per-game roster bonuses significantly, I think they know what they have. And they know they ended up getting squeezed to pay Marquez Valdez-Scantling a little bit more than maybe they wanted to. And he got a much better deal than Juju because of the whole Devontae Adams dynamic and MVS was available still and it's the Packers and the Chiefs. And and so my point is they don't do that going into the season unless they have a feeling this guy's going to be pretty good and they don't want his contract to become glaring once he starts putting up big numbers. Let's talk about the Bills because I mentioned the reality. All the hype is on the Bills. Everyone's expecting the Bills to get to the Super Bowl. I'll take the field over the Bills in the AFC because the field is so damn strong. There's 13 contenders, real contenders in the AFC. Do you think the Bills will be able to to function with this weight of the world of expectation on their shoulders,
2: Peter?
3: I think they will. Um, I think they've answered their biggest problem, which is, you know, they need a little bit of extra juice in the pass rush. I think Sean McDermott is totally focused on figuring out a formula to make Von Miller last, try to make Von Miller last for 17 games. Von Miller may not like it that much, but I do think that they're going to try to figure out a way to make sure that they don't overplay him early, especially, in my opinion, in an overly emotional game like six nights from now uh, when the Buffalo Bills go to play the Rams. It's you know, Mike, much has been written and said about it, but I'm telling you, I was there on like the first or second day of camp and Von Miller was still in mourning. He had just come back from the, uh, from the ring ceremony with the Rams and you could just tell, you know, that he was really missing that team. So time will tell if they're able to get him through the year. But I think even if the defense struggles a little bit to affect the quarterback, they're going to benefit by the fact that, look, the Patriots are down, the Jets are building, Miami. I don't know. They're probably, you know, a, a, a you know an eight to eleven win team, but they're not on the Bills level right now. I, they're in a good division to be able to have some weeks where you give a veteran defensive player you are trying to milk through seventeen games some time off. I think the Bills are going to be able to
0: handle it. Well, we will find out six days from now. It is amazing to think it's that close, but it is. Bills at Rams to start the season on NBC Thursday, September 8 Let's take a break after we do a recap of the week that was in the NFL. We'll talk about Peter's visits to some NFC teams when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Josh Allen, have a great year. Thanks Thank you so much. I appreciate Sports, Bill's mm-hmm. King is Peter King. Nice handshake, man. Thank you. Thanks
0: so much. Sir. I had to get a bougie quest. I know. I'll give you one more of those, man. Just oh. one more. <laughs> one more handshake from you.
1: <laughs> Doing a handshake up there. <laughs>
0: You saw it. Oh, man, I see everything. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, the extensive Peter King training camp stu- uh, tour and the great viral moment with the... You were so focused on your job. I got no problem with that. You were focused on ending the interview, throwing it to break, and you didn't notice that Josh Allen had the handout. I thought it was perfect.
3: Yeah, and you know what? I got to hand it to Josh Allen for being a great sport because, you know... It, when you look at it like this, you say, oh, my God, Peter is just dissing Josh Allen. When in reality, I just never saw it. And But the funniest thing was, when I went to Kansas City, I could tell that Mahomes really wanted to do something about that because he thought it was the funniest thing he had seen. you know. And so at the end of it, he goes in for the second handshake, and he won't let it go. <laughs> so anyway... I think that he probably texted that to Josh Allen and they had a a pretty good time. I think that, look, those two guys have a great relationship, but it's also a relationship that is that they like to zing each other quite a bit.
0: Oh, and and those guys have never changed. All the success they've enjoyed, they're still the guys they were coming out of college. They're friendly. They're very generous with their time. They they have great personalities. They don't big time anybody. They they are regular human beings, and that is yes. refreshing. At the other yeah. end of the spectrum is Tom Brady. <laughs> 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 I didn't see a photograph of or a video of Tom Brady shaking your hand. Uh, you were in Tampa. No. I, I, I I never I got don't... him. Hey
3: Mike, here here's the here's the interesting thing about Tampa. This was the first year in a long time where I was told, uh, Brady's not doing any one-on-ones this year. So I never saw him. And in fact, the day I was there, he had a Veterans Day, along with Julio Jones and four or five other guys. who he, He wasn't even on the practice field. So I went to Tampa for 24 hours, and I never saw Tom Brady.
0: Well, there were 11 days where nobody saw Tom Brady. That's one of the yeah. great unsolved mysteries of the NFL's training camp. And everything about this guy is unprecedented now. Everything that happens is new territory. He's 45. He still plays at a high level. Do you think it continues this year for the Bucks, based upon what you saw, that they've got a pretty damn good team? And do you think this is it for Brady, that he won't play for anyone, whether the Bucks or another team in 2023?
3: Mike, if I had to guess right now, this is going to be it, but I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I think the biggest thing right now is when you watch this team this year, they went from having a solid rock uh, offensive line in front of him to now, you know, look, they're going to probably have a rookie start at left guard, Luke, Luke Godeke, They're going to have a guy who Bill Belichick was fine getting rid of, Shaq Mason starting at right guard, and they're going to have a guy who never has started a game at center in his life, Robert Haynesy, who, by the way, is at a very good camp, but he's banged up a little now, uh, starting at center, and you've got a guy at right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, maybe the best right tackle in football, who's nursing an oblique injury. So you've gone from having basically a really, really good interior of Ryan Jensen, uh, Alex Kappa, and Ali Marpet. They, they're all gone. And now it's rookie, guy who's never started before, guy you got in trade. And a guy over here who may not be 100%. That is what I worry about with Tom Brady.
0: And, and I agree with you. The defense is very good. That offensive line is going to be potentially leaky. And it all comes down to Brady making those decisions before he even has the ball as to who's going to be open and getting rid of the football before he finds himself in a delicate position. The arm is still there. Someone told me this five years ago. The arm will be there for years to come. The legs are the issue. And when he can no longer get away from pressure, if he starts getting hit, he's going to get hurt. And he's eventually going to say, I'm getting too old for this crap. And he's going to be done. And I think that This will be his last year at this point. But I agree with you. Nobody knows, I think including him, nobody knows what's going to happen come 2023. We know that Devontae Adams is gone from the Green Bay Packers. Who do you think emerges as the favorite target for Aaron Rodgers post-Devontae? I think it could take
3: a while. But the day I was there, Mike, Aaron Rodgers was drilling holes through Aaron Dobbs, the fourth-round receiver from Nevada who – uh, along with the other young receivers there was getting uh, some barbs thrown at them by Rogers for not being ready, not knowing what they're doing. Here's the one thing that sticks with me. two things that stick with me and why I'm hugely bullish on Aaron Dobbs. He made two or three catches that in the course of this practice had the defensive players, veterans come up to him tap him on the helmet, give him a little fist bump. They're trying to beat him. And now they're saying, hey, dude, you're good. You know, you're you're gonna help us win. And there's one other thing about Dobbs, and there he is. There's one other thing about Dobbs. When I was talking to Matt LaFleur, he said something very interesting to me. He goes, here's what is compelling to me about Dobbs. He's here every morning at whatever time, almost when I get there, 5.30, 5.45. He studies as much as any young player I've ever seen. So it's clear that Aaron Dobbs knows that this is his chance. This is his time. And I think he's going to get a lot of targets from Aaron Rodgers.
0: Peter, one of my favorite uh, experiences of all time was when I studied the great Shakespeare play, Aaron and Juliet. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's Romeo Dobbs. (laughs) It's Romeo Dobbs. I've just, I've, All right. Uh, That's right. Romeo (laughs) Dobbs. We're far out there, Aaron. Uh, So um, I I think Alan Lazar's got a chance to be really good this year. Contract year. One of the only young holdovers from last year. A guy who can still, I think, get it done and maybe step right in. But it's going to be a challenge, just like with the Chiefs. You take away a guy who commands double coverage everywhere he goes, and now – the defense can fully deploy to stop whoever is there. And and I think it's going to be a challenge for the Packers offense and for Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, they've tolerated the drops that Romeo Dobbs had in the preseason because he's so damn good and because he has the skills you can't coach. You can coach a guy and you can rep a guy into holding on to the football. The stuff he can do by way of going up the touchdown pass, you saw him catch against the Saints. That's just stuff that that, that allows him to, to help fill the void created by the departure of Devontae Adams. How much better do you believe the Vikings offense will be this year with Kevin O'Connell as the head coach and not Mike Zimmer?
3: I think, honestly, Mike, I, I felt when I went to Vikings camp as much an air of you know, the, that, that the pressure had been lifted off their shoulders. That, you know, as one person there said, it's been so negative here. And so whether that's true or not with Mike Zimmer, he had run his course there. And Rick Spielman, after seeing six of his draft choices from last year's draft get cut this week, you know, he had run his course there, too. So I think you're going to see Kevin O'Connell come in this year. And Mike, I think the one thing about a new set of eyes looking at players, like the guy in their camp who was being featured hugely was K.J. Osborne. That's why I thought it was a little odd when I saw him trade for Jalen Rager this week, because I left there thinking K.J. Osborne could get 100 targets this year. It would not surprise me at all. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. But I think the weaponry that they have, and now maybe who knows what they get out of Jalen Rager. But I think this is going to be a team where this offense, and particularly this quarterback, feels like it's a breath of fresh air with a more of a teacher in Kevin O'Connell uh, running the show.
0: I wonder whether they would have traded for Rieger if BC Johnson hadn't torn in ACL last yeah. Saturday night in Denver, because he was kind of number four behind Osborne and that yeah. may be where Rieger settles in, but we'll see. And I agree with you. They needed a change. I They still have a lot of continuity in the roster and Rick Spielman did a great job of building it, but it it was a hell of an indictment to have that many of the draft picks from last year just flat out gone after uh, an off season and a training camp and a preseason with the new regime. The Rams, Super Bowl champions, obviously hanging the banner in six nights for the first game of the season. We haven't had a repeat Super Bowl champ since oh three oh four New England Patriots. I- I just assume the Rams aren't going to win the Super Bowl again. There's going to be some degree of hangover. There's going to be some element of the rest of the league catching up to them. The only good news is so many great players have left the NFC for the AFC. It's actually going to be not all that difficult for the Rams to emerge as one of the best teams in the conference again.
3: You know, I think they benefit by some of the mayhem in the NFC West. You know, because obviously you don't know what you're going to get out of the quarterback position with the Niners. There's all sorts of uncertainty in Arizona and Seattle is in a rebuilding mode. So this is a different year in that division than it has been in the past. The, the most significant thing from my day in Thousand Oaks, California, you know, I was really fortunate. They had left training camp. OK, and they were back at their home facility. And on the day that I was there, Sean McVeigh had a scrimmage. And in his scrimmage, my biggest question there is, what am I going to see out of Matthew Stafford? Mike, he threw, I bet, 70 balls that day. And his arm was fantastic. You'd say, my God, I, 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 I thought this guy was supposed to be having an elbow issue. And I talked to him. I mean, he was throwing great, really emphasizing connecting with Allen Robinson, you know, who they got from the Bears in free agency. But the one thing afterwards, when I talked to Stafford, he goes, look, I managed this all last year. I had an issue last year, but I practiced every day. I got it done. And so he said, believe me, I am not worried about it at all. And and look, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see but I think the reports of the demise of his arm have been greatly exaggerated.
0: Well, we'll see how that goes for the Rams again. It starts on Thursday night. When we return, we're going to do a draft of the teams that we think have a chance at crashing the playoff party. They were out in 2021. We think they have a chance of being in in 2022. We'll do that on this Friday edition of PFC Library after this. All right, there are the odds for the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs last year getting there this year. And history tells us roughly half of the playoff teams don't make it back, which means there are openings for teams that didn't make it. We're going to do a draft today of the teams that didn't make it last year that can crash the party this year. Peter, you have the first pick.
3: I mean, I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm probably going to pick the Chargers to win the division in my prediction column on Monday. Um I just think they've answered their biggest problems that they had in the off season. I will be very surprised if they don't win 11 games.
0: I almost did a double take when I saw the Ravens on there. It's so hard to envision them as not being a playoff team, but they didn't make it last year. I think they do make it this year. It won't be easy, very difficult in the AFC, but I think the Ravens you talked about earlier about, how much healthier they are than last year. They had all those injuries. The It's like every day, another ACL, another ACL. They stay healthy this year. They're in the playoffs, guaranteed for
3: 2022. Mike, my, my next team is going to be the Saints. And one of the things about the Saints that really interests me right now is that last year, you know, Dennis Allen told me this uh, in camp. He said last year, probably our receiver group was our Achilles heel, you know, because Michael Thomas is hurt. They've got other injuries. And now with Michael Thomas, and and you don't really know what you get out of him. You know, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and a guy who I think is going to be the best rookie receiver in the NFL, Chris Olave. um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to watch them. Obviously, the key is Jameis Winston. But the one thing I look at when I look at the Saints is they have the Bucs figured out. You know, they are in the regular season, in Tom Brady's two years, they have beaten the Bucs all four times that they've played them. And think about this, Mike not a single one of those games, not a single one of those four games has been a one-score game. And they've beaten them by 9, 9, 11, and 20-something. And, you know, to me, that's not an outlier. And and so I think the Saints uh, are going to be an explosive team. It's just, you know, Jameis Winston is a huge factor, but I'll tell you this, Andy Dalton... Uh, could be the most important backup quarterback east of Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022.
0: My big question about the Saints, and maybe we can touch on this next Friday, Who replaces Sean Payton? Because we just kind of shrug. Everything's the same except Payton. Well, it's kind of a big deal to not have Sean Payton because he busted his ass every day, constantly looking for ideas, studying film, being creative, pushing everybody else. Who steps into that role offensively for Sean Payton? I think that is an underrated question going into the season. I'm going to go with the Vikings. If Sims were here, I would say blow the horn, and he would go, Uh, oh. I just think that the NFC right now, there aren't enough good teams think the offense is going to be a lot better with Zimmer gone and Kevin O'Connell in charge and the defense doesn't have to be much better than the crap that it was last year for them to get to the playoffs again after a two-year drought let's take a break round three when we wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this All right, two rounds done, one to go. The playoff party crashers for 2022. Those who didn't make it last year, who we think will make it this year. Peter, you're up for round three. You know, my my third team
3: uh, on this, in this derby is the Indianapolis Colts. I'm buying the uh, Matt Ryan Kool-Aid or I'm drinking it, whatever. That's the worst metaphor in NFL history. Um, I am also saying that Jonathan Taylor was not a one-year fluke and that is 1,811 yards last year. Uh, I won't be surprised if he comes very close to repeating that and if he touches the ball 375 times, which is a very non-2022 modern-day football thing for a running back. But I think you're going to see Matt Ryan go to him more out of the backfield on those short little dump off routes. Um, The one other thing I would say about the Colts, I'm keeping my eyes on Shaquille Leonard, (laughs) Shaq Leonard, formerly Darius Leonard. I'm keeping my eyes on him because he says all is well. Everything is fine. My calf slash back injury is okay. I just, I'm just keeping my eyes on that a little bit. He's the best player on that defense And I think he is vitally important to that defense. So just, I'm just keeping my eyes on him this year.
0: I agree with you. He recently said he's not going to play until he feels completely ready to go, which tells me he's not completely ready to go, even though there's some optimism he'll be out there week one. I'm looking at the odds that we showed earlier, and I see the Broncos at minus 145. And man, I don't know. In that division and in that conference, I think it's a lot to expect with all the changes that they're making. They could be really good, but I don't know that I have a lot of confidence there. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have been close but no cigar the past couple of years. I'm a big believer in Mike McDaniel. two and on is gonna be delighted that I've included the Dolphins in this list, but I, I think that even though there hour. are still questions about Tuatongailow at quarterback, they have so many other weapons offensively. Their entire defense for the most part is back. The defensive coordinator is still there. They were wreaking havoc last year on teams with their creative blitzing. I think the Dolphins have a pretty good chance of getting in this year, Peter, after they finished so strong last year.
3: I really like the influence, the imaginative influence of Mike McDaniel. And I think that Tua and especially Tyreek Hill are going to respond well to the every game plan is going to be a snowflake we're going to do something different every week. So I think the dolphins are a good pick Mike.
0: Well, we won't do anything different every week because every Friday we will have Peter King. He is now back, which means football season is upon us. We're taking Monday off. Enjoy the full weekend of college football, even though I did not enjoy the backyard brawl last night, but Peter, as we sign off, how do they not play that game every single year? How do they not do that? West Virginia. It's insane. You go 11 apart. years
3: without two arch rivals playing each other. It's what happened. It's crazy.
0: I, I don't know. And I don't like it, uh, but I like having you back. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you back here again on. Thanks Tuesday. Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.
3: The longest field goal ever missed.